making a list of your needs versus wants is a really big thing, which is a good psychological exercise. So you write everything down. What do I need to live my life, to eat, to have food over my head, to have, you know, just the basic necessities and what are things that I want? And that's another good way to kind of really look at things. And if you are having any, you know, any money issues, that's where you're going to find things that you can cut out. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the selfie show, you guys, where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, grad school student, and now podcaster. And sitting across from me is my very spicy co-host, Miss Samantha. I am so spicy today, too. You have no idea. She's been popping off. So I am Sam. I am a flight nurse, nurse professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show mm. and the certified spice of this <laughs> Certified show. spice. So today we're actually talking off the clock about money. Money, money, money. Something I am terrible at. Same. And don't have a lot of. Horrible. We're, we're so this, bad. I'm hoping to learn more from this episode than any of the listeners. Yeah. I, I actually help. think same, same, I same. I, <laughs> I've had to learn to reel it back. You know, I, uh, I'm i fortunate to ma- be married to a financial guy and we want to bring him here to you to help you as well. Because well, I'm glad you're so fortunate to be married. I know. So, well, that's why we're sharing him so with everybody why, today. Thank you. Yeah. That's why we'll just jump right into the single. All right. Single girl, married girl, life tip of the week. All right. So this is like weighing a little heavy on me this week because <laughs> it's a hot topic. It is. Okay. One, it's weird to be... In your, I have to say I'm in my mid-30s now, which has mm. already been tough to come to terms with. But that is a weird concept. And then am I cool still? <laughs> like, I'm trying to date and I'm like, I think I'm kind of cool. But then I found out today I'm not cool. Yeah, Gen so Z because told us I, that we're not cool. Yeah, I wear skinny jeans still. And side I have part. a side part. Yeah. And I love the crying face emoji. Like, I text that to potential suitors. Constantly. So I'm not cool and I think it's bullshit, to be honest, because mm-hmm. it's taken me 35 years to perfect this just like <laughs> uh, that you're getting from me. You are getting like you're All getting of it. version 10.0 of me. I have <laughs> like perfected it. And that includes a side part in some damn skinny jeans. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I'm not cool. Dude, she so I'm like, what do people even like? So I'm like, now I'm rethinking my whole dating profile. Mm. Like, I only have skinny jeans on there. Are they just like, oh, God. Like, are they looking at me like I'm wearing the mom jeans of the 2000s? Yeah, but thankfully, Gen Z is not your demographic. That's true. But, 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 let's talk about this. Okay, so I have had some spicy, like, requests mm. from some of these Gen Zers up in my DMs. Okay, but let's get specific here. How old are we talking? <laughs> okay, the youngest person that hit me up ever, mm-hmm. this is not when I was 35, though. This was a couple years ago, was a 19-year-old. <laughs> yeah. That's borderline. That uh, is like against illegal. The law. That makes me feel uncomfy. So, um, no, but like some early 20s okay. stay sliding. <laughs> there you go. They stay sliding in those DMs. I bet you they have an appreciation for a woman like you. You know what I mean? Like you're though. a lot of women. So here's also what's like a lot to unpack. Someone in my gym told me this when I was telling him like, oh, yeah, this like 22 year old hit on me or something. They're like, you're at this weird age where you could have like a, you could have a guy in their 20s. Yeah. But you could also have their dad. <laughs> I was not ready for that. That was like it emotional. It is so true. That was a lot to unpack. That is literally our age. Like I need therapy. 
to help understand and unpack all of that betterhelp.com forward slash selfie yes thank god we have that relationship with betterhelp because yes I don't know what to do with that information. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, all right, do I be like a saucy little cougar? <laughs> I'm honestly, that's offensive. Don't call me a cougar. Mm-hmm. I am too young to be a cougar. Yeah. But like, am I like a saucy little like cradle where I'm like, you're in your 20s. You're cute. Yeah. Like you play like college sports. Like, sup, boo. <laughs> or am I like, oh, look at this like dad with the salt and pepper. <laughs> what do I do? I feel lost. Yeah, inside. you're so, in the middle ground. It's, yeah, it's I don't confusing. even know who to date. What I don't even yeah. know what I like anymore. I'm like, so my whole life being attracted to one demographic. Now I'm this? like, they're ever, I'm getting older. They're getting older. These young kids are not looking young. Any, like, Telling what's happening? I'm, I'm very yeah. lost. Yeah. So I I don't have a single girl tip this week. I need help. I know. I'm asking you guys. <laughs> like, let's reverse it. Like, please message me some help. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I go. So for mirror girl tip, um, I don't know if I have one for staying cool other than. Are you guys cool? I don't know if we are. Do you go to bed at like 7 p.m. or are you like. No, I'm a late nighter. Like we're the earliest we're in bed is like 10 or 11. That's just permanently me. Like I do not get in bed. I like how you call that a late nighter and that's why you're a day shifter. (laughs) My I have my iPhone set to like go off at 1 a.m. to yeah. remind me to go to bed at 1 a.m. and then if I actually go to bed at then I'm like gosh I'm like, <laughs> yes the picture of health right now night. going to bed so early I'm gonna get a full eight hours I don't think I'm asleep before like 11 or 12 which for a day shifter I'm a normal day shifter like that's kind of late yeah that's a little spicy um okay but I will say this as far as like staying cool because thank you very much I do um I still think I'm very cool thank you um we invented the internet you're welcome Gen Z as well as social media. Okay. So my whole thing was when I started this podcast was I wanted to be fresh and young. And so this is not so much a married girl tip, but I really thrive on young and hip and fresh energy. So I specifically hired and targeted some young girls. And I think that has been a huge asset to oh, yeah, we never our asked podcast. Them. Do you think our girls think we're old? I think so. I don't know. We're gonna <laughs> we have to should ask, ask them, them at our next. We'll meeting. ask them and see. So Tori and I have like a team, a yes. selfie team, and we have and we love them. We love them because they're so much cooler than us. They are really cool. They're way cooler they're than us. They're younger than us, cooler. and they're cooler than us, and that's why we want them on yeah. our team. Yeah. But then I never. I just thought about it right now. Like, do they like look at my skinny jeans and like <laughs> laugh at me? Secretly? I doubt either. I doubt Jess or Marina would do that. No. Okay. So my whole thing was I definitely specifically targeted younger because I think that that energy is just what I wanted to bring to the podcast I wanted to really draw that sort of energy in so yeah I don't know I like being around young energy I feel like Jacob and I very much vibe on my younger cousins you know like I want to know what's in what's cool like I still want to know what's up I mean even though like the 90s baggy ass pants and like these middle parting little Gen Zers is apparently the thing that's in but Here's the thing, too. Like, I don't have a little 19-year-old body that can look good in wide-leg pants. Nor do I. You're going to take these giant tree trunk legs and put them in some wide-cut pants? They're still going to be skinny jeans. (laughs) It's just not going to be a good look. Like, Uh, that's not meant... For all this I think age. we're young at heart. Thank you. And I like that because I actually hang out with a lot of people in their early 20s in my powerlifting yeah. circle. And they keep me super hip. Yes. And I like knowing what's in, you know. Yeah. Your age ain't nothing but a number, huh, Leah? Um, agreed. Okay, uh, question of the week from the listener. What do we got? 
one, we have this one, tips on dating someone completely out of the healthcare field. Mm, yeah, that's so. a really good one. Yes. Yes, I I'm mean, here for that. So we actually are going to be recording a full episode, full. relationships uh, and ship work. So that is, we're going to, we're going to hold on to that question. Again, we like it's that another one. one of those big ones where it's, we can't yeah, do justice no. in just a Q&A. It's no got to be its whole own episode. Yeah. Because sure. you're married to someone not in healthcare. I am. I've never actually dated someone who worked in healthcare either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it's a big ask. And that's wreaked sure. havoc on my past relationships. So we'll talk We actually about it. also have an episode coming up, um, Married to Medicine. So there's we actually two kind of episodes about that. So Stay relationships. Tuned. Stay tuned. So the other question that we got was, we get this one a lot, mm-hmm. NICU versus PICU or PEDS. Yes. And then a kind of offshoot variant of that is like NICU or L&D. Yeah. Here's what I have to say get a job yeah any job beggars can't be choosers Mm -hmm. yes in an ideal world if you get offered your two dream jobs then you get to sit down and nitpick the specifics of that yeah but to be honest you'll be lucky to get any job especially especially in a specialty yeah times are tough it is yeah so be grateful for any job that you can get and my advice always is if you want something bad enough you'll end up in that area if you have to start in adult world before you can get to NICU yeah. or PEDS. A lot of nurses do. So be it. Like mm-hmm. there's not one only path to get there. Um, as terms of which one you want to do. So I was a NICU nurse for seven years and now I do predominantly PEDS even though we do NICU transports. And it comes down to how big of poop do you like? Wow. NICU has smaller poop. There you go. I mean, I chose PEDS in general over adults because smaller poop. But if you really want to get micro with it, as Tori would say, get micro. NICU is going to have the micro poops. Yeah. Or do you want to talk to your patients? Yeah. So I'll take that a step further. I personally feel like when you're talking specifically, because that is the question we get, PEDS versus NICU versus L&D, because we all are sort of in the mother baby world or in the maternal pediatric world, right? You got to really think about the population you want to work with. PEDS is all things basically from one years of age to 18. Your L&D, you're basically working with the mom. because Vaginas. Vagina. Are you so, okay with staring at and, vaginas? And the birth process. Like that is literally what it is. You don't, you see the baby for probably an hour and then the baby goes off to postpartum. Postpartum is where you would see mother and baby. NICU is specifically anything under a year. So when you're really talking about it, you really need to think about the population you want to work with. And if you don't get the job right away, then you just have to hustle your ass to get there. Because honestly, like and Sam and I have talked about this a lot. Nothing came easy to both of us. We had to work our asses off. It took me eight months to land my first job. Um, it's you had to hustle your ass up to become a flight nurse. You know, both of us have worked in so many different settings. You know, you just kind of have to push through and, you know, you're going to find your way. But really think about the po- the population because I think that's like the base of it. And PEDS is a very different population than NICU. Yes. You have to learn how to talk to children at different developmental mm-hmm. ages and it's different. So you have to talk to a 17-year-old different than you do, a 12-year-old different than you do, a 7-year-old different than you do, a 4-year-old different than you do, a 2-year-old, and then... Or pick you. You're not talking to them because they're snowed out of their mind and sedated and debated. So it just really depends on how you want your interactions to go. Babies, I loved just getting to swaddle them, hold them after Mm -hmm. I feed them, and like play with them. 
when I first had to like start learning how to talk to children when I worked in peds, I'd be like, hi, buddy, old pal, how are you doing? I was like, I don't know how to, I don't have kids. I don't even know how to talk to them. Know, like, yeah. And then they would tell me about these things and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, cool. <laughs> that was a learning curve for me because my patients never talked for seven years. My patients didn't talk. Yeah, that so does make a difference for sure. It was, um, it just depends what you're into. Yeah. So, and again, if you don't like something, try it out mm-hmm. and then move on. Keep it moving. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you're going into a new grad, the last concern you should kind of have is which specialty. Just get in. Yeah. Get into anything. I mean, definitely try. I would yeah. say, you know, do a lot of research, you know, try and get your leg up on things. But OK, you guys, we are getting into a very hot topic today. Much needed. Money, money, money. We're getting into all things money, honey. Okay, so we actually have Jacob Meskin. He is Tori's husband Ooh. and my sister wife's husband. Yes. That I have She's a, we're a, we're a th- myself We're a throuple. We're a throuple. Mm-hmm. So, and then we have Austin Graff. They're here to talk all about money. Jacob holds his Series 6 and 63 certified life and health insurance certified. Austin is a CPA and managing partner of Southwest Tax. They share important knowledge and tips for medical money management, investing, who to trust with your money. That's a big one. Importance of women also having financial security. Me as a single woman is all about that life. Uh, I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what that means? (laughs) And then everything. We're going to talk savings, student loans, taxes, 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, financial advisors. We're diving deep. This episode, honestly, is going to be a really good one just to kind of get your wheels turning. You know, everyone's situations are different, um, but we really feel like this episode is going to really provide you with some amazing tips, tricks, things that you didn't even know about. Um, I know as a nurse, when I started, I had zero clue what a 401k was, a 403b, how to manage through my money. I had no idea. Um, so, you know, we're really going to break this down. And a lot of these things that we talk about today are things that I wish I had been better about in my 20s. Had we been better about it in our 20s, I do feel like I would be in a much better situation. But, you know, today we're going to really get down. And, you know, Sam and I are still figuring out our many situations. So it's great. We're- I honestly wish all undergrad degree programs included some sort of financial yes. literacy course. Why don't they any any medical professional or even because, in high school? Yes. None of us in the in the medical world ever took finance 101 or economics or any of that. That's no, not on your agenda. You're graduating, you're getting a pretty good job. Like we're not as nurses starting it as an entry level income job. No. We're starting off with a pretty damn good salary. Yes. And then most nurses are just like, I have money for the first time in my life. Yeah. Woo. I think and medical professionals are really good at making money, but we're really not good at saving or investing. Oh yeah. In I'll general. Work a shit ton of overtime, get all this money and now I'm like Oh, yeah. I got to eat Top Ramen next week. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, Jacob, the Welcome. man. Hey. Fix us. Here we go. Back by popular demand. Back by, yeah, you haven't been on yeah, in a you're while. A hit. This, is my, this is my first podcast with Sam, I think. It is, though. Yeah. It's kind of, it's it's kind of intimidating. It's <laughs> I'm loud. Yeah. Welcome back, honey. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. We're really excited. Okay. So um, let's start off with some general information. Tell us a little bit for the audience who doesn't know you. What's your background? Give us a little bit of the deep. Sure. So uh, born and raised in Southern California. Uh, Grew up playing sports. Baseball was my main sport. I went to the University of Arizona. and Bear down. Bear down. That's where I met you, honey. Mm -hmm. But we didn't start start dating. We didn't start dating then, you guys. 
previous, Calm your jets. Uh, previous episode. <laughs> Probably a good idea from great, what I've heard. Great idea. I should not be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That could be another episode. Uh, I'm done. Uh, but I think like a lot of people, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in college, which is okay. So I went there and was mostly focused on sports, got a degree. And then after college, I was fortunate enough to play a little bit of professional baseball. And after that, I went to work in the logistics and transportation field. And after a couple of years of that, I kind of realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do and that that finance was more of my calling. So I, I went that route. And over the past few years, I have worked for one of the top 10 uh, broker dealers in the US, worked for a bank and do business funding. Uh, as Sam and Tori mentioned, I have my series six and 63 certification and life and health insurance certifications and I've been working in finance for the past couple of years. Okay, so let's dive into a couple just basic tips. Like let's just start with the very like surface level finance 101. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things uh, like Sam was touching on is that she just makes a bunch of money and has no idea where it's going. I think the biggest like if I had a number number one tip is just track your spending and Okay, can I admit something? Please. Just in 2021, I decided to not be a trash can anymore and just get control of my life. So I downloaded a tracker app, like spending budget app, and it sends me notifications. I got this notification on my phone this week, and it was like, Samantha, you have went to Chick-fil-A eight (laughs) times in the last few months. You're like, this is supposed to be a budgeting app. And I was like, I feel so attacked right now. Like... (laughs) Okay, that seemed personal. Yeah. So, I mean, I was not aware, but it just, it, that felt extremely personal. I feel like mine would be to McDonald's and or Taco Bell. <laughs> it was very specific. I screenshot it. Samantha, you have went to Chick-fil-A eight times in the last the few months. The amount of fast like, food wow. I've been eating as well. I but it, but, but again, it kind of just, is a good wake up call because exactly. you don't realize until you see it where you're like, I spend this much on cold brew a year. Holy yeah, 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 yeah. shit. Exactly. So the biggest thing, there are actually a lot of apps out there that are really good. I'm not sure which one you're using, but mint.com is a pretty popular one. Every dollar, uh, there's some called personal capital. Most of them are free. Some of them might be like five to $7 of anything that you can spend money on. We're talking about finance and saving money for something like that. I would recommend actually spending, you know, five, seven bucks a month. Most of them are free, but if you do want to, um, it, it's, it's very beneficial and it's just making you aware so you can see what's coming in, what's going out and so you're not in that position where you're wondering where does all my money go mm, it's a chick-fil-a well we know that now <laughs> we, we knew thank that you. before thank you for skincare that so i have a question about the apps and i don't know if this is something we're going to get into later when we actually talk about investing but what do you think of like the acorns app and some of those investment apps where they like round your spending up and invest it i actually i i don't use acorns i've thought about it but i think for some people that need things to happen just without them doing anything it's Insert Samantha it's, it's really good yeah, but there's be. a lot more fundamental things that you need to get to get going before you would use something like that but that's kind of part of part of what your plan would be is to where that would be another you know another thing is just automating all your finances so you after you get your budget and you know where all your money's going besides Chick-fil-A and Gosh. <laughs> attacked attacked <laughs> and then you can start automating and making it go in we you know invisible so it's like the money's coming into your account but it's already going anywhere going 
to where you need it financially before you even have the opportunity to spend it. I think that's the big thing mm. for me is if I don't ever see it and know that it was there. Exactly. I could save, but if it's there, it's yeah. gone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm sort of terrible, but I think that's the only way I'm able to save is if I never see it. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, so I was supposed to go to Tahiti and Bora Bora and it was already paid for like 100% in full and it got canceled. And my friend Venmoed me back like a large chunk of money yeah. to re- refund me for the trip. And I Venmoed it right back to her. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want this back. I don't I'm gonna just, spend it. Like I will spend it. Like yeah. keep it. Yeah. I don't know when we're rebooking. We're talking about probably 2022 to rebook at this point. Yeah. But I know that I'm so irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I hate like putting myself on blast. I swear this, maybe no, everyone's I'm like, oh, this is way. why she's single. This makes sense now. But I was just like, I Venmoed it back to her and I was like, just, I, I've already paid for this trip mentally in my head. I don't want this money back ever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where a big part of finances is breaking psychological psychological habits. So tracking your money and seeing it is part is part of it and just making you aware of it. But there are so many other things that go into it psychologically. What are some other tips that you have other than um, tracking money? So tracking money is big. If you're early on, and you're you know you might not have huge expenses or making a lot of money i would just say focus on just trying to buy what you need buy the essentials i have a question about essentials are lululemon leggings essential absolutely <laughs> absolutely absolutely yes. absolutely <laughs> i think we could narrow down so making yeah so making making a list of your needs versus wants is a really big thing which is a good psychological exercise so you write everything down what do i need to live my life to eat to have food over my head to have, you know, just the basic necessities and what are things that I want. And that's another good way to kind of really look at things. And if you are having any, you know, any money issues, that's where you're going to find things that you can cut out. Some other basics, don't invest or do anything that you don't really understand. I think in this day and age, there's so many things that are just at your fingertips as apps. Uh, A lot of people have been, you know, investing a lot like crazy this year because you're at home. There are these easy investing apps and some people are doing well, others not so much, but there's cryptocurrency, there's, there's everything. So just don't invest or do anything that you don't really understand because you're likely going to get yourself in in the trouble. Okay. So I want to talk about these because I think for majority of healthcare providers or shift workers, um, 401ks, 403bs, like what are they? Can you break it down? Because I think, I mean, I still, I didn't understand it. Great question. Great question. So a 401k is part of the IRS tax code, which allows you to invest money in a tax favorable way. So for uh, 401k is an employer sponsored plan. Uh, for healthcare workers, it's called 403B. It's the same thing, interchangeable. And a lot of government, um, firefighters, cops, theirs is going to be called uh, 457. So there are two types. There's uh, just a regular 401k, and then there's a Roth IRA. These are both retirement accounts. So you're using this money for your retirement. For the most part, you can't touch it until you're 59 and a half. And so with the 401k there's 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 positives and negatives of both as there kind of is with with anything um but a 401k is where you put pre-tax dollars in there so it comes out of your paycheck before it's taxed 
and it goes into an investment account. So within your 401k, you invest this money, it goes in there and you don't touch it until it's you're probably a good way to, you know, exactly. we don't need to see it. We don't need to touch it. Exactly. And so it goes in there and it grows and it grows uh, tax deferred. And then when you pull it out in retirement, then you're taxed at your ordinary income level. So I just graduate. I get my first nursing job. I'm signing up for benefits. I have access to either my company's like 401k or my hospital's like 403b or whatever. How much should I be putting in? It's a great, great question. So I want to continue on first. Uh, there's another. So there's the regular 401k, uh, which is going into your account that is pre-taxed. And then when you pull it out after retirement, it's going to be taxed at your income level. And then there's what's called the Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. And so that goes into your account and that is going to be after taxes. So you've already been taxed out of your paycheck. You put it into that account and then that grows and that's going to be tax free when you pull it out. So there's pros and cons of each. So with the 401k, everything you're maximizing your dollars early on. And then when you pull it out, it's going to have grown completely tax free. But when you pull it out, you're going to be taxed. So a lot of people a lot of people typically are making less in retirement because you're not working anymore. So you're at a lower tax bracket. So it's ideal to use your 401k. Your Roth 401k is going to come out. And when you pull it out in retirement, it's going to be completely tax free. So but with your with your Roth 401k, everything that you put into that account, you can pull out without penalty. But anything that before you're 65 or before you're correct. 59? So only in the Roth account, anything that you put in your principal amount, you can pull that out without being penalty penalized. But any gains that your account has grown, those those you can't pull out of your account without being penalized. So basically you can take out whatever you put in just in the Roth account. Yes. Okay. So if it's grown, you can only take out what you put in your principal amount. Mm -hmm. And then with a 401k, if you pull it out earlier, typically you're taxed uh, about 10%. And then also, uh, or there's a 10% penalty, then you're also taxed. Uh, so we income. actually just went through, Jacob and I did this. Uh, we had a we had a financial date, you guys. Yeah. And we went through my, uh, I think it was my Vanguard account. And um, percentage was going to the Roth. And a percentage was going to... The 401k. So you're saying that I could take out from that Roth? Correct. Yeah. So there's different allocations you can make in your savings, and that's often the case. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Exactly. And as far as it goes, uh, a contribution amount, uh, when you first get a job and you're starting to contribute to your retirement, certain companies will provide an employer match. Uh, which is usually up to a certain certain percentage. At the very least, I would recommend contributing whatever you need to to get that employer's match because that's basically free money. Okay, I always, I'm gonna sound dumb. Please, but most people are gonna have a question, so go for it. Whenever I started my job, people were like, "Max out your retirement to like what the company matches," and I'm like, "It says they match point whatever percent up to." I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> yeah, how much? does that mean i like was like maybe i'm stupid i can calculate yeah. med math on a helicopter <laughs> but what in the actual fuck does it mean to sit there and say max out what at least your company matches how do you figure that out right i so, mean it sounds like basic math but i don't get it so it should be i mean it should be pretty standard on your portal nowadays it will say up to three percent of your contribution we match 
will match. So you can put into your 401k up to 19,500 a year. So most employers will match 3%. Some are really good and it's 6%. So it just kind of depends on what your your employer does. Yeah, usually I feel like it's between like 2 and 5%. 5 is high, I feel like. Yeah. But 2% is usually what they'll contribute, you know, 2 or 3. Okay, another question just to dumb it down to the bare bones. I'm signing up, got my first job. I'm like, yes, I'm going to invest in my retirement. So is it better to do a Roth IRA or a a 401k, 403b, or should you be doing both? So what I would recommend when you're early on and you're making less money, as long as you can meet your expenses, your everyday needs, your your needs, I would recommend early on contributing as much as you can to your Roth, because as you get as you get older, that money will grow, and then you're gonna you're gonna be better off contributing to that earlier earlier on. Okay, mutual funds. What what in the hell is a mutual fund? Good question. So a mutual fund is a collection of stocks that are all wrapped into one blanket, essentially. So instead of you going out and buying Facebook, Apple, Google, Tesla, GameStop, you can just buy one mutual fund and you're going to get a collection of a bunch of different stocks within one fund. So it helps you diversify a little bit. So that's kind of like when you kind of choose your 403b or your 401k i know you can either kind of choose like a flat rate option or you can give them the option of investing it into mutual funds right that's exactly oh i actually kind of honestly just put that together in my wow i'm so financially literate (laughs) you're getting there you're getting there so in yeah within your within your retirement account depending on your employer they'll give you usually a limited amount of options that you can invest in within your retirement account, your 401k, your 403b. And in there, there's going to be probably mutual funds, some ETFs, and there are some what we call target date funds. Those are a big thing that are usually in uh, employers' retirements, uh, retirement accounts. And those are, I would highly recommend those yeah. if you're putting, if you're your employer has those available. It's really just kind of a plug and play. You say, I'm putting this percentage of money into this uh, target date fund. And what that means is it's you. it will usually have a year. So we'll say target date 2060. I think mine was like 2060 or 2055. Right. Yeah. So what that is indicating is the year that you're thinking about retiring. Mm-hmm. So within that fund, they're going to allocate it. They're going to diversify it. And then as you get older that fund is going to cut back on the risk. So the older you are, the closer you get to highly risky, like meaning there's a lot of, um, yeah, high risk allocation in, in our investing, but long-term it's actually, that's actually, I mean, we just looked in my retirement that I started when, whatever, I was 24 and I hadn't looked at it in years. And I was like, oh my God, I don't look at it. I literally don't ever look at it. And I was, don't look at it. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a problem, but, um, but anyway, it's just, I haven't looked at my work one since I bought my house in 2017. Don't know it's there. You can't touch it until you're 59 and a half anyway. So yeah, I mean, that's coming sooner than we think. Just let it go. Honestly, that's probably the biggest tip. If anyone who's starting their job, you, the 
first thing you should do is sign up for your retirement. 100%. If you have Week an employer. One of your new job, sign up. Yes. If you have an employer, especially if they're matching, if they are matching anything or adding percentage to whatever you're investing, the minute you can sign up for it, sign up for it. Because I feel like that's something we don't talk about. A lot of nurses don't do. Or, you know, nurses, RTs, like all of us in the medical field, we just are so bad about it. That's definitely one thing I think you guys were talking about, things that you wish you did when you were younger. Mm -hmm. If you can, you're not going to, you're not going to want to believe it when you're in your 20s, but start investing the early, early. No, I actually did. I started my retirement account when I got my first nursing job that very first time. So I'm nine years deep into that. So explain this because I do think this is a big part of it. Compound interest. Exactly. What does that even mean? Right. So boy, (laughs) here we go. Here we go. go. No, this is why. No. So the the earlier you invest, the more time that you have till you retire to allow your money to grow. And as it grows, your accounts are spitting off interest, dividends, and that money gets reinvested. So then it's just like this snowball going downhill. And the next thing you know, when you're older, you're going to have enough money to, to live off of. I hope so. Hopefully. So here's my question as someone who's like, I've been investing in my 403B since I was in my early 20s or whatever, got my first nursing job. Now I'm 35. So I'm like, all right, one day I do have to retire and actually be able to pay all my bills. I don't think your retirement count enough is enough alone. Maybe maybe somewhere else, not in Southern California. Mm-hmm. My retirement account my 403B is not going to be enough to retire on when I hit 65. So now if I'm starting to think about, all right, I really want to get serious about saving for retirement. What should I be doing with my money on top of my 403B at this point to really actually secure the ability to retire one day? That's a good question. I mean, who knows? This podcast could hit it big and then you might be completely fine. (laughs) Please subscribe, like, and download so that I can (laughs) tell a friend, (laughs) retire one day. Tell your mom, your dad. Wait, not your dad. So so as far as retirement goes. (laughs) Daddy. Daddy. So as far as retirement goes, that is one of the biggest problems that we have in this day and age, especially with you healthcare professionals keeping people alive for so much longer, is that you (laughs) used to be you retired when you were fifty, you died when you were seventy. And And social security is not gonna be around. That's not a guarantee. Yeah. Right. I'm not gonna count on social security being there for me when I'm sixty five. Right, exactly. And probably will be something, but it's probably not gonna be enough it's not a livable to live off of so it's a good exercise to kind of extrapolate what you think that you can live off of in retirement so you want to say how much money do i need on a monthly basis in order in order to live and that's an exercise you back can... to that tracking oh. thing You're so <laughs> pesky with i know the it's tracking. annoying isn't it so that's going to be something that would be really helpful to give you an idea of what it is that you want to live on you want to have a baller retirement or you just need enough to live and get by And that's something that will really help you hone in on how much you need to make. And then as far as other investments go, other than your, you know, your retirement account, you can invest. So you can only put 19,500 in there a year. So once you've maxed that out, you can go ahead and do similar investing. I hope you're proud of of me. I do have my retirement maxed out. Good job. Oh, that's good. Good job. I may eat at Chick-fil-A eight times every few months, but I have my retirement maxed out. Good for you. Yeah. So I'm not a total trash can. I love that. Like a rose gold (laughs) trash can. I'm a trash can, but like it's sparkly. Making sacrifices now. Very neon pink. I'm an electric trash can. You just like censored. (laughs) So I'm trash, but like fancy trash. Love that. Okay. So you can invest in 
Yeah. So I, I maxed out my retirement. Now what? How am I going to like ball on a budget when I'm six, 65? There you go. Yeah. So what can I, would, I do? I, would, I mean, I would recommend similar, similar investment strategies. You can open up a brokerage account, which is just going to be almost similar that you're going to invest in your retirement account, but that's just going to be outside of your employer. So that's this is something where you you can do it yourself these days. There are so many resources out there your acorns, your, there's even robo advisors where you can just say, this is my risk tolerance. This is what I want to do and put it in there. You can also, you know, see a financial advisor. You can see somebody to kind of coach you along what you're, what you're looking to do. But the biggest thing I would recommend as far as looking for investments, if you're going to put your money in mutual funds, I would recommend ETFs or index funds. So those are essentially the same thing. It's going to be a compilation of stocks but they follow uh certain indexes like you can track the s p which is a major index and those just have lower what's called expense ratios so it's going to be lower a fee that's where a lot of uh, advisors kind of get you they get you to invest money into these mutual funds that have really high fees which is how they make money and then your retirement is eaten eaten out of that but because you're not having the same compound yeah. So that would be some things that I would look it's out kind for. Kind of figuring out the right financial advisor if you do go to one. As far as savings, like, can you explain a high yield savings account? Like, what is it? Absolutely. So first off, I want to throw out a statistic that is pretty concerning. There's a statistic that about 40% of Americans could not cover a $400 emergency your car breaks down you have to go to the doctor or something like that so yeah it's yeah so there's a lot of different schools of thought when it comes to saving but i would recommend at least trying to have a thousand dollar emergency fund is something good that you just put away somewhere that you can't even touch it so if anything does happen like that you you're you're not going to be completely derailed or throw yourself into more debt. So that's something that's that's really important. So that's the bare minimum you recommend for an emergency fund. What would be like a good size, like beefy emergency yeah. fund? Yeah, I, generally the rule of thumb is about three to six months. Uh, but with three to six months of what you're just of monthly? your basic living expenses. Okay. Yeah, and so with the pandemic though and everything, I think a lot of people have kind of rethought that with job security and everything so if you can ultimately if you have a year i mean i know it's it's really it's really really hard for a lot of people to come with that money but if you can get to a year it just can help help a lot as far as an an emergency fund so you have your emergency fund let's say you've saved up six months of living expenses in emergency fund and now you want to start a separate savings account for maybe your kids for your funsy dream vacation. So a high yield savings account is going to be uh, usually they're online. If you go to your, if you're just putting your money in your bank savings account, your Chase, your Wells Fargo, you're getting 0.00001% when you're leaving it in there. So it's not really making you any money. So if you just go online and type in high yield savings account there, I would have to double check, but 1%. 1 or 2%. You know, yeah. I think ours and it's is coming two. down a little bit because interest rates have come down. But it's just something that if you have expenses that you're looking to use that money for within a year to two where you don't really want to invest it in something risky, it's there. It's making you a little bit of money. It's not just completely, completely sitting there. They're kind of hard to find though, right? You were saying like they're not as common as they used to be. 
they're still common, but the interest rates aren't as good as they were. Uh, but most of them are online because they don't have branches, they don't have other expenses, so they're able to pass those savings as far as the interest on onto the the people that have their money in their accounts. What's the best way to tackle high interest debt? That is a great, great question. <laughs> <laughs> I know this well, you guys. So this What's is up, a credit card. What's up, credit cards? <laughs> Cha-ching! Cha-ching! I'm sorry. These titties cost yes. me a grip. I know. Ca- yeah, still yeah. paying for them. Yeah. Still paying on these titties. <laughs> <laughs> it benefits. Was worth it. Though. It was worth it. So uh, worth it. Every penny. Yeah, every penny. <laughs> Plus interest. So as far as as far as high interest debt goes, uh, a lot of people are are in this boat. So if you are, don't feel bad. A lot of people have been there. Um, I think number one is not burying yourself in a hole and not thinking about it and not finding, not knowing so what's going on. So don't live like YOLO. Exactly. <laughs> the opposite of Writing the opposite this down. Yeah. No more YOLO life decisions, Samantha. <laughs> so make, make a list. Find out exactly how much you owe, exactly the interest rates. It doesn't feel good. Um, but knowing is going to be that first step in order to, to start tackling those. It feels like an AA meeting. Exactly. Yes. Admitting you have a problem. Admitting you have a problem. It yeah. feels good eventually. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. I want to, let's, all right. Take me through the steps. All right. Okay, so so there's, a, there's a couple schools of thought when it comes to high interest debt. There's the, I will call it the Dave Ramsey, the Dave Ramsey. Yeah, effect, he's like is, all the rave these days. All exactly. my friends are like doing the Dave Ramsey and yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, I like to eat out. Clearly, yeah, I go to Chick Fil A yeah. eight times a month. I don't know that I could Dave Ramsey it. Yeah. So I think that there's. I don't want to lot... be miserable for a year just yeah. to be debt free. I'd rather just, <laughs> just wallow in my debt and eat Chick Fil A. I yeah. There's parts of it that I agree with, and parts of but it. Your, yeah. Your budgeting app is kind of on Dave Dave Ramsey's side. Kind Chick-fil-A. of. I mean, yeah, it's it is. Sending me rude notifications that <laughs> I don't appreciate. Well, but for people who aren't familiar, yeah, maybe right. take us through the so, different ways. So the Dave the Dave Ramsey thing, we'll call it is where you pick your debt that's smallest and you try to knock that out first because we get back to the psychological issue. So you say, okay, I knocked out this $1,000 credit card. Now I feel good. And they call it the debt snowball effect. So you knock that out and then you want to just keep tackling your debt. So from a practical money standpoint, it's not necessarily, you know, financially sound, but from a psychological perspective. Which is probably more powerful. Exactly. I don't know. Maybe. Exactly. That's what I did. I started small and I went big and I it did help me. But yeah, but then you're paying the interest on those big cards still. Exactly. So there's that theory. And then there's the others where you start tackling the largest debt first and that's going to help ultimately save you some money Uh, there are some options sometimes depending on your credit you can try to consolidate them you can might be able to get a loan if you do the math and just make sure that the interest that you're going to pay on that loan to consolidate everything usually credit card debt is extremely high interest Mm -hmm. 17 18 20 30 percent so uh, anytime you're doing the math and just making sure that you're you're making the right move Two of those loan companies, just so you guys know, because I happen to know. So you have SoFi, who is a really good loan company, and then also um, Upstart. Those are two actually loan companies that uh, SoFi actually works with one of my hospitals, and then Upstart is one that I used. Oh, did you? I liked it. I should be pushing them because it's it it was it was really easy to work with, and if you're looking for a resource, it's a good resource. Yeah. Um. Okay, so. 
let's say, you know, someone's trying to save for a home or a wedding or like a business, like how would you recommend people start going about that? So you're going to just want to come to the dollar amount that you're, you're looking to save. And then this really all just goes back to creating a budget. So finding out how much, how many extra dollars you have at the end of the month to put aside. And this is where it can, you can automate it and you could even have, you can open up a separate account. So you want to save for your wedding. Ideally we would pay for that in cash and not put that on any cards, <laughs> right, honey? Cough, cough. <laughs> Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Okay. But we also, I okay. But your this. wedding was also so much fun. It was, <laughs> a good it was the best time. night of my life. I also, if I had had my weight, so I actually did not, we didn't spend as much money. I, I found ways to save money in our situation. You did. But. Here's where I want to kind of say the healthcare conundrum of big ticket things are, is that we work in a field where we can work a lot of overtime to get what we want. Yeah. So I know you, I know one of our other friends worked a shit ton of overtime yeah, to pay to, for yep. probably one of the most gorgeous weddings I've ever seen in my entire life in Malibu that was mm-hmm. like beyond gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I want to go on a vacation, so I'll work a shit ton of overtime. Mm -hmm. When we want something, we're like, that's feasible. I just have to work X amount of overtime to get this trip, to have this wedding, to buy this car, to get this item. But at like what expense too. Right. Because sometimes we break our bodies down. We break ourselves down mentally and physically to get this quickie fat paycheck and then buy these items, but it's like we can't even enjoy them because we're working ourselves to death. Yeah. And on top of that, you don't kind of realize until the end of the year when taxes hit, and we'll get into taxes like later, but how much you kind of screwed yourself over by working all this overtime to get this fat paycheck to get buy this one item, and then you get reamed in taxes at the end of the year too. So it's yeah. a lot that you don't think about. I have friends in nursing um, that worked – insane amount of overtimes and then they were buying like frivolous things like louis vuitton bags and stuff and then she owed like 15 or 16k in taxes so then the next year she was working overtime just to pay her taxes from the year before and i'm like now you've got yourself in this like vicious cycle and she had no idea when she was doing the original overtime the first year that she was going to get hit so hard in taxes the next yeah. year. So a lot of people don't think about it. They just see fast, Well, yeah, I don't think money. you understand it until you go through it. Yeah. Like, you know, it, we all went through that. And that's why we're even wanting to do this episode to bring it to you is fast, easy money is never easy. Right. There's always going to be always, consequences Well, somewhere. that's the thing is like every, every good comes something. You, yeah. Comes the bad. You know what I mean? It's like if you're something's not too get good to be true, it's always right. going to not turn out to be that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how would you recommend someone go about tackling school loans because that is a big one and i think every you know we all feel that the medical field because we're the one we're probably one of the bigger other than like lawyers but medical we all have some student loan debt of some sort yeah student loan debt's tough Uh, i know a lot of people a lot of people in in the country have it you in the medical field are fortunate enough to where your degree actually makes you some money there are a lot of people out there that have a good way to look at it very high high cost degrees where they're in a job that doesn't make them a lot of money. So that's, that's kind of a tough thing as well. Um, student loan debt, there's, uh, there's private student loans and then there are federal student loans. So that's a kind of a similar to the high interest credit card debt. You want to really know what your interest rates are on those 
And then if you have high interest student loans with interest rates now, there are opportunities. I don't know the specific companies, but you can refinance some of your student loans. So if you have really high interest student loan debt, you might want to look into trying to refinance those because that could save you a lot of money. I know our employer is so partnered fine. with SoFi, SoFi. Yeah. and offers the ability to refinance your yeah. student loans. Mm-hmm. I plan on doing it, but since shout out to COVID, they're on hold until September. <laughs> I'm like, eh. Don't, yeah. One recommendation is don't think that all student loans are just going to be forgiven, vanished. Yeah. Oh, they're not. I'm just talk. saying they're on hold. <laughs> I don't have to pay on them right now. Yeah. It is nice to have a little There's break. a lot of talk about canceling them. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. I'm not going to get my hopes up. We're not going to get our, no. Not gonna, I'm going to plan financially smart about it. There you go. Look at there me. Go. I'm growing right before you? your guys' eyes. Who are eyes. you? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of similar to the credit card debt where these are something that you really want to get off your plate as soon as possible. I know it can be a daunting task, but that's where we go back to the needs versus wants, wants list. And we really try and shave those down and get those taken care of as soon as possible because that just allows you to move on with all the fun stuff of saving for a house, saving for a car, saving for a wedding, all that good stuff that you want to do. Yeah. I think the hardest part is just being honest about yourself about your needs versus wants because I justify a lot of my wants as needs and I know that I'm ridiculous. I need Botox. I need Botox. I need filler. I do. I need skincare. I need Lululemon leggings. I need Lululemon. Jacob is looking at us <laughs> the like list we're goes on, the okay? worst people. It's yeah. I probably need to have a little heart to heart with myself. You can do the Venn diagram where you have like needs oh. that are wants in the middle. Yeah, and it's like uh, which way do I? Which mm, way do I yeah, yeah. Get real crafty there. I I honestly the, need to like have that's a little where Dave Ramsey is like, you just got to eat beans and rice. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. See, and that's where I have some friends that are so gung-ho about the Dave Ramsey. They're like, I'm not going out to eat until I pay off my debt. And I'm like. So we have talked about that in our own home, right? The mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey effect. And we do, we did use parts of his um, program, but I do feel like we're kind of in the same boat, Sam. We're like, we like to travel a little bit. We do like to go out to dinners. Um, we're not crazy spenders by any means. Like we actually, Jacob and I have like date night. We're like finance date night. We just had one this week and we sort of, yeah, exactly. I hate finance date night. Let's just be honest about that. But you know, we kind of review everything and you know, we do allocate ourselves to do something fun and we do, I think that is important and I think it's important for both of us. Like it's kind of nice because what you budgeted in now. Yeah, we do. We try to, yeah, it, we budget it in into our monthly, like how much we need to make and how what's coming in and what's coming out. And here's my advice to also the single people that don't have kids or don't have a husband or anyone else that has to be involved in their money. Well, I've maxed out my retirements and I have another savings account that I have an automatic withdrawal that automatically deducts um, on the 10th and you're already doing more than you thought. I know. So I'm not the worst, but no, you're good. I just feel like I think it's hard to. I make a decent living. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I have, you know, a full-time salary job and then I work part-time at a hospital. So I have a full-time job and a part-time job. I'm doing all right as a single woman myself, but I think I just don't really look at my finances because I don't have it's to. It's hard to. And I then, will say that too. I Yeah, it is hard to kind of turn it on yourself and like really sit down and really think about it. It's until you get a lot that of like Chick-fil-A notification in your face. I think I'm going to change up my hinge strategy and only start to date People. Money people. Yeah. Finance. Finance. <laughs> finance. But then they're not going to want to date me. Finance is sexy. No, they're going to like be like, 
bitch, you live like this, and then I'm going to be single forever. But I think that's – so as far as the single and couple, I think one of the biggest things that can be tough in relationships is having those money conversations. Yeah. Okay, so finances is one of the – is the number one leading cause of divorce, Absolutely. right? 100%. Absolutely. I can see yeah. why. So when we first started dating, I will say this because there's like that element of his and hers and, you know, nowadays everybody, you know, so how we did it and I don't, you know, you guys. Yeah, I want to, can I get nosy? Yeah, I get nosy. So the way that we did it is when we moved in together, we opened a joint account and so we both have our his and her account and then we have a mutual account and the mutual account we both contributed to equal amounts um, every two weeks into that account. So we would each, you know, have our own whatever that is, like our own deposit in. And so that's the account where rent, um, groceries, all of our, our utilities comes out of, you know, we have all of that coming out of that single account. And we all both have our own money to play with on the sides, whether, you know, however we want to handle it. Now, Jacob does help me with the her side sometimes because I like to overspend and like to overdo things. But you're lucky um, you're cute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't even need I don't even need to say anything over here. You're just like sister <laughs> wife. And here we go. Bounce. Got so your back. I personally like that because I don't know. I just, you know, the whole all in together thing just wouldn't work for me. I work my ass off for my money and I do like having something where not only I can feel like I'm, you know, have my own thing, but I like to buy things and not have to show him. I like to, you Are know, you supposed to get the gifts for me without me knowing. Exactly. So I obviously am not married, but I was engaged mm-hmm. yeah. and we never had a joint account. We How did our... you feel about that? I didn't want one. I didn't want him in my business. How did you guys pay for all of your stuff? We Venmoed each other. <laughs> See, that's weird to me. Isn't right. It? I don't like that. I mean, I think like it was literally like I had like him Venmo me for our mortgage <laughs> every month. I mean, some people do that. There's probably some people whatever, here that say that. What, that's hey, what I do. Honestly, it's whatever works. But I think going into he never a gave me a hard time about my shopping or spending yeah. because it was my money and I earned right. it and I was gonna do what it I wanted with well, it. Well, I mean, we consciously saved together to buy a house. Right. So we were responsible in that aspect. Where when we got serious enough to actually want to buy a house, we. We were in each other's finances, right. like looking at each other's credit scores, right. looking at each other's monthly bank statements, what's coming in, what's yeah, going so out, know. looking at all of our credit cards, who has what debt, doing things to actively raise our credit score together. We had great credit scores to buy that See, house. Like job. we didn't. And I was the issue child. Me. And so it took me and so we're preaching like now what we, you know, did because it took me some time. Like I had some debt and I was embarrassed about it and da 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 da. And so, you know, Jacob and I worked through it and that's you know, but I do think that's an important part of a relationship, right? Like it's yeah, great re- that you guys re- are transparent. Regardless of how you do it, it's kind of just being on the same page. And even if you're not completely entrenched and everybody has the same account, as long as you're having those conversations, I think that kind of alleviates a lot of arguments. Well, I feel like now if we were to get married, I would want to have like my own account and a joint account. But like I don't want to put Chick-fil-A. anything in the joint account. <laughs> I just want to be on the joint account. Yeah. And- just that's so, that's yeah. a sugar, that's a sugar daddy. Oh, <laughs> where do I find? Let's one? define. Let's define. Because I just that. like what's yours you is ours you and what's mine is mine. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's a sugar daddy. Fuck. I that. love that for you. Okay. One of the things that that's like a good and bad Dave Ramsey is what you're talking about building your credit. He's like a guy that's like, you don't need credit. You're gonna pay for everything in cash. 
and you're going to buy your house in cash. And that's one of those things that's kind of not realistic. So for younger people who are starting out, just getting your job, even 18. I also think that depends on where you live. Right. No one is buying a house in cash in Southern California for six. $700,000. $700,000. Unless you're right. like tech, like money from, you know. Yeah, unless you are on Forbes. Yeah. 30, under 30 shit. I don't know. But that's like right. an absurd. Right. Yeah. Buying your house in cash in 2021. Yeah, that's You are happening. straight balling. Right. Yeah. So right. when this podcast pops off, I mean, obviously. No, obviously, we'll obviously we'll soon enough. But <laughs> soon in the enough. meantime, yeah. my ass had a mortgage. Right. Yeah. And so that's one of the one of the things that you can do as a young person. I mean, as soon as you're 18, you can even open up a credit card. That's one of the biggest factors that contributes to your credit score is your credit age. So the trap that people get into is you get a credit card and you're 18 and you just swipe that thing to death and then you're in debt. As long as you're responsible about it, opening up credit accounts when you're young and actually paying them off will definitely pay pay benefits when you're older, when you do need to get a mortgage or you're looking to get a car loan or a house loan, you're going to get the best rates. So the first time I ever checked my credit, like when I was young, I was like before I graduated nursing school, I was shocked um, at how low it was. I was like, holy shit. So I actually had to start off with like a secured credit card, which is basically I gave the bank $400 or $500 and then they gave me a credit card. And then here's actually what I did. Like, I'm not all, like, I make myself sound like I'm a totally bad with money. I'm actually not. I just, like. (laughs) We're backpedaling I'm backpedaling. I'm going to take my own horn. So what I actually did to build my credit up was, is I had that secured credit card. I set a few things up on auto pay. Like, my cell phone bill. Some, like, cheap bills. So my credit card would auto pay those bills. And then I set my credit card up on auto pay to my checking account. And then I put my credit card away in a drawer and never looked at it again. So I was building credit by paying my bills on time every month. So I had some bills that I already knew I had to pay every month, like my cell phone bill being paid by my credit card. And then my credit card was being paid in full every month mm-hmm. through auto pay straight to my checking account. And I couldn't use it to make like little willy nilly purchases because I don't even know where it was. I locked it up in a drawer and I built up enough like credit and good payment history to that. that then they offered me like a real credit card. And then I got the real credit card and I did the same thing with that. And then that's how I built up a good enough credit score to buy a house and to then get approved for a loan to get my fake titties. And then <laughs> you're my playing, you're playing over here like you don't know what you're doing, but really you're doing yeah. a lot of good things. You're doing a lot of like the worst, but <laughs> I feel like it's just taken a little bit of a nosedive in the last couple of years because my income's gone up. I've become single and I don't have to worry about anyone else. So I've been very just like YOLO yeah. with my money lately. Yeah. And now I'm kind of realizing as I'm getting very elderly – that, oh shit, I am going to have to retire. I should probably be doing more. Relying on just my 403B is not going to be enough to retire on one day. So I'm like kind of looking at it in that sense. And then I'm also like, all right, do I want to buy a house again? Probably. I don't want to live in an apartment forever. I was in a house. So now I'm kind of like 2021, I would like to restructure and kind of get my shit back together. You're in a position that happens to a lot of people is, you are maturing, you're making more money. And so now your expenses, your expenses go up because you have the money to pay for it. So it's a very common thing that happens is you're like, oh, well, I make more money. So now I can spend more money. Yeah. So I want the takeaways for the new graduates getting their first job finances. Like you're just top final, like takeaways of this episode, like, 
or just anyone, or any maybe medical someone professional. older, an older gent like myself, oh, stop. who's <laughs> obviously not so good with their man right. money. Maybe what is right. your final? Just like if you could do only do these few simple things, do them. Yeah, I think number one, which we've hammered on a ton this episode, right, Sam, is just track yes. track okay. your expenses. Doing it. Number one, like, regardless of what stage you're at in your life, tracking your expenses, knowing exactly what's coming in and going out is already going to put you ahead of the curve. Um, if you're younger and you want to, and you can just focusing on essentials and really contributing as much as you can to your retirement, it will benefit you exponentially down the road. Compound interest, baby. Get that compound interest. Yep. And it will be, you'll, you're uh, as tough as a 20 year old. Like you want to shake yourself as a 20 year old, early twenties. You just wanted to go party, hang out, have fun spend all the money that you had yeah but compound interest is so sexy i mean oh come yeah, on. yeah honey. to a 30 year old yeah <laughs> a 24 year old you're like where's the bottle service <laughs> exactly exactly you're not walking up to so- someone in the club and being like hey what's your compound interest <laughs> talk dirty sexy. to me yeah daddy that's the sexy in your 30s your financial yeah. daddy exactly um but other than that i just I, again, don't try and invest or do anything crazy that you don't really understand. And one of the things, you know, with this whole GameStop, everybody's got Robinhood, everybody's investing is don't try and time the market. If you're really just thinking long term, just doing something consistently over time is going to make you money. There's so many statistics out there that over the course of the stock market history, it will always go up eventually. So don't try and time the market because yeah. you can do really well as some people have but you know play stupid games get stupid results yeah exactly. there you go fabulous well thank you so much for coming on honey oh, and joining an us today are we gonna all go up oh are there dinner any together yeah <laughs> pop off um are there any resources that you can leave for the audience that's so funny that you asked because I've, d- I've definitely listened to this podcast before. I knew that you were going to ask this question. Oh, oh, okay. I, I might have listened oh, a couple okay. times, oh. once or twice. Uh, there are actually two books that I've read over the past couple of years that I thought were very, I don't want to call them entry level, but they're very broad strokes of personal finance. That's what that, she said. Hey. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Couldn't help it. She's single. Walked <laughs> right into that one. <laughs> Um, but they're just broad strokes of what, you know, everybody wishes that they knew in high school. And one is called, uh, I'm going to botch this guy's name, Ramit Sethi. Uh, it's called, I will teach you to be rich. And the other one is called unshakable by Tony Robbins. Who's the motivational speaker that everybody knows, but they're really good. They're pretty easy reads. I'm going to read those books. I'm going to do my homework. Yeah, we should. I'm going to have my check-ins. shit together in 2021. We're going to have check-ins. Jacob's read all these? Oh I'm not okay. read On that note, I have to go. So thank you guys. <laughs> okay. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> okay. So, Mr. Austin. Okay. So, before we, like, dive into all this, we want to hear a little bit about you, your background, you know, all the fun financial deets. All right, cool. Well, my name's Austin. Uh, I'm a certified uh, public accountant here in Scottsdale, Arizona, CPA for short. Uh, I have a license plate that Mm -hmm. says CPA bro on it, so everyone knows exactly what I do. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I've been doing this now for about seven years or so. Um, Actually got started in the financial planning and investment world and then transitioned to accounting uh, like a year or two after that. And so um, mainly what I do 
is I help families and businesses with tax returns, tax plannings, guidance. Uh, I help businesses with uh, HR compliance, payroll, bookkeeping, all those types of services. So basically, if you're someone that wants to start a business or runs a business, uh, having a CPA uh, by your side helping you with those administration, filing requirements, reporting requirements, all those things that come with running a business, that's where I step in. So I help people start them from the beginning, even helping them create their entities, LLC creations, whatever it is, and then I help them run their businesses as well. And so, and I'm one that specializes in small businesses. So, uh, you know, companies with like, you know, 50 or less employees is, is my bread and butter. Anything above that, typically, you know, you might need like, like a team, you know, so to speak, but uh, I, I fit that niche of a small business owner uh, in our marketplace, which is a very underserviced area. And that's where most of the people that yeah. we know operate in is small businesses, just like you and me. So, you know, that's yeah. where we're at. You're a tax daddy. A tax daddy. That's right. Don't forget that. Tax daddy. Hashtag tax daddy. Don't forget it. I already got that name on Venmo too. So if you ever want to pay me on Venmo, it's at tax daddy. That's me. I got it. I I secured that in the bag. So no one even can get that anymore. When I became a nurse, I was just like living the turbo tax dream. And then I realized I'm getting screwed. <laughs> so why would someone like me or just anyone in healthcare actually benefit from a CPA yeah. in their life? Good question. Yeah. So why do, why do we need a tax daddy well, in our lives? I think everyone needs a daddy, but the question is when do you need a tax daddy? I think is a better question. Yeah. You know, when that is so good. Right. But, but I mean, here's what it comes down to. If you're someone uh, that just either, if you're just a W2 employee, for instance, a CPA actually might be a little overkill, to be honest. I mean, people, there is a, TurboTax is a, is a great tool and there's a place for it. And, and, I def, and I, more times than not, will sometimes push people there, you know, if, if it makes sense, where if I just can't provide them value. I mean, if you're a W-2 individual where you don't own a home, you have no kids, you know, you're single and you're renting and you're, you know, you're, you're, your taxes are super easy to file, you don't really need the expertise of a CPA, but uh, when a CPA comes into play is when you're looking to either evaluate, maybe starting a business or you have one and you need the, the guidance and expertise on how to run it, how to, how to, you know, how to get the tools, how to get the resources to, to stay compliant with your business. If you're a high earner W2 and you need some more guidance and expertise on how to, uh, I had a, on tax deduction strategies uh, that are available to you because it's hard to find some of those when you're high W2 earner, that's where I can step in. If you're looking to maybe buy rental properties, for instance, if you have an inheritance coming along, uh, there's lots of different, you know, if you estate planning, things like that. And so uh, mm-hmm. basically what it comes down to is that if you if you find yourself having a lot of questions about taxes or, or, or finances and how that kind of impacts your life, if you, if you start having those questions, that's when you start looking for a CPA uh, is when you start seeing like, maybe I don't know this, maybe I don't know that, you know, but, but no, to be honest, you know, there's also a lot of times where just you need to maybe go on TurboTax, you know, to early on. Uh, it's kind of like a stepping stone. You know, a lot of us maybe started there. I used to do my track tax on TurboTax when I was simple. Uh, I mean, even that's a CPA. I, I know CPAs that do their, their taxes on TurboTax too. Like uh, it happens, but uh, but no, there just comes a point in time where you need that additional level of expertise and guidance to make sure you don't miss anything. Um, because that little bit of investment that you find in a CPA, you can usually get back in, 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 uh, in finding those deductions or finding that value on your return or whatever else it might be to, to help save you some money. So that's when you want to find a CPA is when you, when you think you, you're not, when you don't think you're doing it right anymore, when is that when that's when it comes down to. Okay. So you're talking a lot about planning. Can we like go 
into that 101 break it down what should we even be planning yeah so what does that entail like like talk stupid to me gotcha your 401k is your best tax deduction number one uh now you might come across a time where maybe you max that out for example uh, you know, if you if you if you contribute it's nineteen thousand five hundred dollars, for instance, uh, in a given year, you can contribute. Well, well, what's next? Okay, well, then now you can look at IRA contributions, Roth IRA contributions, things like that. And the nice thing about those IRA contributions is you can actually just wait until you go to file your taxes in a given year, and then you see if you qualify from an income standpoint, and then you can make retroactive contributions. And so, from a from a, from a planning standpoint, I would say step one. Do your 401k or 403b contributions during the year. Step two, when you come tax time, see where your final numbers stand from an income stamp uh, or see where you reconcile your income for the year and then look to see what other av uh, avenues you have to contribute for retirement and reduce uh, your taxable income. So that's where the planning comes into play because a lot of people don't know that you have until April 15th or whenever you file uh, in the given year to make a retroactive contribution. So, so you have the next two months to actually make 2020 IRA contributions if that's what you're going to end up doing. So, and if you, and if you file an extension, you actually have until you file past, you know, whenever, so if you file an extension till October 15th, you can even then take that long to make IRA contributions. If you extend, uh, it just depends on, uh, it just depends on when you want to go about doing that. So, so if you do that, does that bring down your total taxable income it, then? Yeah, exactly. So just like, so like, I know when you do your 403B or 401k that brings down your taxable income. I did not know that if you did a IRA on top of that, that continued to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Shit, I need to be doing oh, that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, uh, yeah. So you're and now and there's different. There's, there's traditional IRAs. There's Roth uh, IRAs, and same thing with there's traditional 401ks and Roth 401ks. But uh, the the the, tr the traditional accounts those do reduce your taxable income. So let's say you make hundred thousand dollars in a year. And you contribute four thousand dollars to a traditional IRA, your taxable income is now ninety-six thousand dollars. I mean, very that is that simple. Just like your four three B four hundred one k, you make a hundred thousand dollars and you contribute a ten thousand to your four hundred one k or four three B, you're now your taxable income is ninety thousand dollars. So it literally just cuts down your taxable income. Uh, and and so if so to put that in dollar sense, uh, let's just say you're in the twenty five percent. Let's just say you're in a twenty five percent tax bracket, uh, and you contribute ten thousand dollars to a 401k, that'll save you, you take that amount of tax you contributed, multiply that by your tax rate of 25%, that's your tax savings. So in that situation, if you contributed $10,000, you're now saving $2,500 of taxes. So does that make sense? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I need to log into my retirement account as soon as I get off this call and up my <laughs> we just contributions. We, we just reviewed all ours and it's funny because like I, kind of completely forget about it it's great because it's just like out of sign you know, out of oh, mind yeah 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 well I, well I was good I used to be maxed out and then I kind of pulled back but I'm like trying to be a little more responsible this year now I'm getting screwed in taxes so bad that I'm like I need to go recheck and make sure I'm like maxing out because I'm hurting. I actually told Tori I was like from here on out I'm only gonna date like financial planners Mm -hmm. just to like get yeah. my shit together because like yeah you say that now yeah. you say that yeah. now have you ever seen have you ever seen wolf of wall street <laughs> we don't get a we don't get a good rep sometimes so you know you look good doing exactly it, so there you go exactly and maybe I'll, <laughs> i mean I'm, i've been toying i'm like maybe starting an only fans where i do tax returns half naked 
Uh, I was thinking about oh, it, but every pot has a lid. Yeah, there. I look. Can there, we talk about taxes for OnlyFans really quick? I mean, not that I like am gonna ever start one, but like, amount, you know, if someone were to, the amount of how this, does, how do, it's so funny. And like my CPA yeah. forms and like my CPA uh, like groups or whatever, the amount of additional questions we've gotten this year of people looking for help with OnlyFans income is hilarious. It's it's sky oh my it's god skyrocketed uh you know uh I don't even know how quarantine what else are you right. gonna do that's why yeah uh you know a lot of industry people that were out of, you know were out of work had to look somewhere else right so uh yeah. but yeah if you were an OnlyFans you're a business owner that's how you, you that's how you look at yourself you run a business so you know technically uh the notorious court case in that is a uh, a guy in New York that worked for Broadway as an usher bought a tuxedo to work as an usher. And you wanted to take a deduction for that on a tax, but the IRS said, no, not allowed to, because a tuxedo can be dual use. You can wear it to work, you can wear it to a wedding, you know, a, a gala, whatever it comes down to. But if you're a professional model, well, then what you invest in that modeling, you know, makeup, clothing, hair, whatever it is. What about yeah. if one were to be selling, you know, feet pictures on the internet? Are pedicures deductible? Uh, oh, I mean, what else is your, that's a direct business expense. If I ever heard one. Done. Uh, you done know, i'm starting it now nail clippers too all of it done. right foot scrubbers the whole thing uh i mean probably even a little foot spa, if if little foot spa thingy you know little, bubbles, yeah. little massages that counts oh that's office supplies. i'm just saying because the upgraded pedicures can get expensive I bet. if i wanted to do like a paraffin wax i mean not i but if someone who were to consider selling feet pictures on the internet wanted to get a yeah. paraffin foot wax that's a little pricey no. but that's a business yeah business. no same I, I know we're talking about you know i, I know we're thinking we're talking hypotheticals and friends of friends here i get it yeah no i know i know <laughs> yeah. no personal story no no personal uh you know relation here i get it what are some um good tips that you can offer our listeners on how to be financially savvy sound make some good choices when it comes to tax like what are some good tips that you can give yeah i would i would say how to get your shit together <laughs> well i would I, I would say this i mean for like one example is multiple bank accounts help sometimes with being organized and so not that you're going to always know uh if you don't like under the assumption let's say you don't own a business uh there you know it might help to have uh, and you get some experience and maybe you know like what things might uh, like charitable contributions or things you want to keep track of for tax purposes, have all those run out of one account. And then everything personal, like the food you buy at the grocery store, the gas, you, you know, for your car, things like that. Another account that way you can only, you always just look at one account uh, and, and easily see, uh, you know, and, uh, what you've done for the year. And I know you and stay organized that way. Uh, you know, if you're a business owner, obviously it makes sense to run different accounts for your businesses and your personal life you know, already. Um, but, you know, assuming you don't have a business, yeah, like have your mortgage payments, your property taxes, your charitable contributions, your medical expenses, kind of, if you want to have those things organized in one spot, have that out, out of a separate account or two um, for, for you to keep track of. I recommend there, uh, either QuickBooks if you run a business is, is, is number one. But even if you don't own a business, um, there's look at getting like a budget, there's great budget tools out there now, like great budget apps uh, and, and software and things like that, subscriptions you can get. It was interesting because that was one of the first things that you had me and Jacob do. So because we both I use QuickBooks and I think I don't remember when which one that Jacob uses, but it's been he, super helpful. And then he's expensive, I believe. Yeah, expensive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's been great, too, because we use it for the selfie show. We have our own we've categorized things. And I think you really helped us kind of streamline all that and figure out how to, you know, 
kind of maneuver all this yeah. because you know a lot of us are starting little businesses there's a lot of nurses that are kind of moving into entrepreneurial like areas and you know it's all unfamiliar to us not to mention the fact that we are still learning about we we just brought on jacob and we talked about 401ks 403bs like savings ross and things like that so i think this is such a great you know way for us to share this information with healthcare providers who may not be familiar with all this yeah that was my question and i had that advice from someone else was to track all expenses because i think quickbooks you can link all your cards and everything so you can already just track all your purchases and everything. So I actually, that was my goal this year was to start doing that. Yeah. It's really easy. Yeah. It's, you, you, you can and even then, do it. It's, um, it's awesome. I, you know, I make the joke like you could be on the toilet for five minutes and be doing all your categories, categorizing your expenses on your phone <laughs> uh, in a matter of five minutes. Can I just say uh, thank you to that? Because everyone who's like, listen, if there's a guy out there ghosting you or said they're too busy to text back you mean to tell me he didn't take a dump that day and didn't have <laughs> one second to sit on the toilet and text you back yeah well, he doesn't like you maybe he move was, on well, maybe he was categorizing, same thing you can do maybe he was categorizing his business expenses recording recording his mileage <laughs> Uh, you could have been texting a CPA. See, I mean, there's lots of reasons why. You didn't damn it, that. Austin. You're... He was being financially savvy. Okay, he was Sam. Being responsible. No, good... this is what I'm yeah. saying is that, yeah, there's always time for everything. And uh, there's a lot of underutilized time <laughs> while you're in the bathroom. So one thing that you mentioned where I'm like, okay, I want some education on this. Charitable contributions. Unless... Uh, you itemize your deductions. There's really not much of a, of a, of a there's no tax advantage to charitable contributions. And, and, and to take a step back there, everyone, uh, business owners, non-business owners, uh, it doesn't matter what you do, everyone is entitled to one of two deductions that you get. Anyone can look on their return and see this. They either get a standard deduction or they get to itemize their deduction. So the IRS says this, they go, hey, listen, listen, taxpayer, we're going to give you a list of about five different expense items and you're going to total all those up that you had in a year. And if the bucket of item at the, at the total of the totality of these five items is greater than, uh, the standard deduction amount that we provide for everyone, uh, you could take the, you could take the, the larger amount, but if you add this bucket up and it's smaller than the standard deduction amount that we can, that, that, that we put out, you take the higher of it. And so, and, and so you compare the two, everyone gets standard deduction, no matter what, at a minimum. Uh, if you're married, I think it's like $24,800 now. Uh, if you're, if you're single, it's, uh, it's 12 or sorry, 12,200. It's not enough. And, well, no, well, uh, no, I mean, it, it, no, I mean, well, it's never enough. Right. But, uh, typically if you don't own a house, it's going to be hard for you to meet this because, uh, in that bucket, is mortgage interest, which is a big one, and property and and and, uh, and and state and local taxes, and so real estate taxes, for example, is in there. Uh, but it's also medical expenses, charitable contributions, uh, and things like that. So in that bucket, uh, if you add all these things up, and, there, and there's other little minor um, uh, limitations and things like medical expenses, I don't need to go into that. But basically, what it comes down to is anyone here can Google itemized deductions, look it up. Uh, and see what that list of items are. You can add up your, to- your total, and if it's going to be uh, more than your uh, than your standard deduction amount, then you'll take it. But if not, then uh, then uh, then you'll you'll get standard deduction. The standard deduction is twelve thousand two hundred for a single filer, 
and it doubles if you married filing joint. So that's what I was trying to talk about. So if you file joint, it's 24, it's over 24,000 is your standard deduction. You file a single, it's a little over 12,000. I just need to pop out some kids or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, I'm not married, I don't have kids and I don't have a house. So I just, yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing uh, in my life. Uh, no, I'm with you, and I, you know, and, and so I, I from for my, for my stand as a, as a thing, you know, as a single 30 year old guy, the only, you know, and as a CPA, really the full, only advantage I see to getting married is the tax breaks you get. So, and the kids too, kids are expensive, mm. you get, you get tons of credits and stuff for having kids, but I'll, I've worked out the math, not the same, the, 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 the having kids definitely costs way more money than the credits and, the, and deductions you get. What other just like takeaways as someone who's an idiot with taxes that they should just be on their radar or be doing? I would say this, I would say that like a lot of people, they don't reach out to CPAs or accountants just not, just because they're they're not they, they don't they feel like maybe they're too small of a fish uh they feel like maybe you know they're not it's not they don't want to they don't want to burden the account or the cpa and like feel small or stupid you know because they don't they don't know it's like it's it's, it's, it's like someone that's never worked out before or walked into a gym maybe, maybe feeling a little overwhelmed you know with, with the situation just get over that fear uh and if you want to even reduce that fear a little bit go walk into an hr block uh place you know because they're 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 for mine, I don't believe they have CPAs there at all. Usually it's just like tax preparers or tax returns. You know, there's a difference. There's between a tax return preparer and a preparer, or there's enrolled agents um, and between it and a CPA. I mean, there's big differences, but don't be scared. Don't be, you know, uh, uh, concerned. Uh, call them up and inquire and talk with a CPA. And, and like I said earlier, when I first started this, you know, one of the first things I said to you guys was, there's plenty of times where I turn people away. A CPA and accountant doesn't expect you as a non-professional to know what, you know, to know what we know. You know, we're professionals. Yeah, we'll and tell to you. know what we don't know. Yeah, you don't know right. what you don't know. And we don't know what we don't know either. But like, but it, so you tell us what your situation is. You know, there's free, no CPA is going to charge you to talk to them. So call one up, you know, and try to get a hold of one uh, you know, for a couple of minutes, explain what's going on. Do you ever look at someone's info that they give you and just like shake your head and be like, how do you live your life? <laughs> like, how do you even get out of bed in the morning and make it through your day? Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, Every I day, like all the my time. Fear. I feel like that's my fear. Like, even if I like started to work with you and I hand you all my like finances, all my returns, all my everything, you'd just be like, how are you a functioning adult in this world? <laughs> oh, well, luckily, luckily for you, Sam, I already, my, my prejudgments of you have already happened. So not, for, for you're fine. I'm, oh, already, I'm, already, judging you, I'm already judging you plenty. Uh, so nothing can change. He's Go judging ahead. you based on the fact that you are friends with me. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Shit, guilty by association. For real, yeah, no, you are, yeah. The, you are the company you keep. But that's common. Like, I, I don't expect you to come into my office. Like, I guess, let me, let me put it this way. If you came into my office and you showed me a perfect profit and loss statement for your business, or your tax documents perfectly laid out, and you had your tax situation all calculated and perfectly done. What do you need me for? Like, what, what, what do you need me for? I, you're, 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 I don't know. You're not supposed to know everything. No, I, I, I know everything. That's my job. I tell you things. Okay, like, that's, that's my job. So you, you come in a mess. I'm so you I expect a mess. That I, I, I clean it up. That's the, that's the, that's the job. So, uh, no, it's daddy's job. That's the job. So. What kind of receipts should you be saving? Anything related to your business. Everything. You know, uh, or. Uh, Our lunches. Or deductible expenses, like charitable contributions. Now, those typically, if you donate to like a, like like a like a like a charity, like like a food like a St. Mary's food bank, they'll send you an annual receipt statement sometimes, or most of the time they will. They have your information. So I would say this: 
I recommend doing donations online, for instance, on their web on websites, because you can then pay with PayPal or whatever it is. They have your information and they'll mail you an annual receipt. You know, come January, you'll get in the mail and they'll you'll have it there. Um, medical receipts, a lot of the times you want to track those, but then also those too. You could usually run annual reports from CVS or Walgreens, you know, for your prescriptions. If you go to if you go to one doctor's office like Honor Health uh, or one group, you can usually go online there and run your annual, you know, visit, uh, reports there. Mayo Clinic. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't know the, uh, the all the doctor, uh, hospitals out in California, but anyway, I'm sure you could easily, no matter what, go online or on your phone mm -hmm. or whatever it is and look at your annual statements there. But anything that's tied to taxes, track those receipts, whether it's business-related expenses or anything that falls into that itemized deduction standpoint. Um, and then if you want to look further into itemized deductions, just Google that. Anyone here can Google itemized deductions and pull it up. You can easily see what falls into that category. So, Can any of our uh, listeners contact you for a referral or like yeah, a consultation? Sure. Yeah, so either find me, you know, www.southwesttaxstrategies.com. Uh, you can call me up at, you know, 602-935-6167. Uh, but basically, or, you know, or you find me on Instagram, same thing, Southwest Tax Strategies. Uh, if you look on, you know, like I said, to go to Venmo, look for Tax Daddy on there. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, why is TaxDaddy.com not your website? Oh, good point. <laughs> oh, wait, is that even available? I'm kind of scared to actually type that in. TaxDaddy. <laughs> Please type it. Oh, I might be free. Oh, that might that might be an well. That might be an available domain. Okay. There you go. Rebranding. Rebranding. You got me now. I'm gonna have to do a domain search for that. You got me thinking now. Last question: Have you seen Shit's Creek episode where he's like, "You just write it off," <laughs> and he's like, "To who?" Uh -uh. You just write it you off. Just write it off. Have you not seen? No, that? I, but I've heard the show's good. I need. I need to watch. I've heard good things. Oh, I know it's so funny. It's like the, my favorite clip from the whole show. You just write it just off. Write it up. Yeah, it's a write off. Yeah. It's a write off. And yeah, you just. Write uh, it off. I, 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 don't, I don't gotta see it to know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly that, just, what, how that goes. So just it's all the a whole write just write it off thing. Oh yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's funny. Like my Botox, my fillers, my makeup my everything can i write my botox off if it was for a photo shoot let me let, i tell you what let me i'll give you one uh, we'll talk offline I'll give you, well no I'll, I'll give you i'll give you one example that may oh. or may not relate okay 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 have you guys heard of tucker max the, the author tucker max uh have you ever yeah tucker max must die a, have you heard, ever heard the movie or seen the movie or it was based off a book but i hope they serve beer in hell yeah yeah, yeah. so that's it was a movie i don't know, like maybe 15 years ago um but it was based off his yeah. book. Uh, Tucker Max, he's a he's hilarious. Uh, he's got a couple of books. He's like a you know bestseller. He's a he, he hasn't written for a while now. But it, he used to he's a, he's a lawyer. He went to Duke Law School. You know, he's he's really smart and but ended up just hating being a lawyer and then ended up just becoming a writer by writing about his his drunken stories and everything from like the drunken stories with the boys doing like stupid stuff to all his great drunk hookup stories. I mean, he's just got stories for days. Well, in his book, he talks about how he's able, based off of you know his his career as being a, a writer uh, and the stories that he does, for him, what's considered research and development, which is a deductible expense, is you know his investments in hooking up with girls. Like he can write off Plan B and condoms uh, for girl when he you know when he's doing his research and development. So you know, and it, <laughs> he talks about that in his books. Like, yeah, yeah I got to keep track of my expenses. You know. I, uh, I got to buy plan B the next morning. Well, uh, that's part of the business, right? So, so <laughs> I'll tell you that. So if he can do that and his writing business and, you know, writing a story, 
Uh, if we got to keep our face looking fresh, yeah, that qualifies. So you're, yeah, so I can't imagine why your Botox couldn't be written off if it's, uh, you know, yeah. if it's part of the We can part definitely of find a way to so, make that. Yeah. There is a light in 2021, after all, <laughs> in Botox we trust. Let me put it this way. If your literal job is a hand model, and you got to get surgery on your hand for something, like a mole removed, and you're a hand model, well, I would argue that that's definitely tied into uh, your business as a hand model, because how do you sell yourself, and how do you do things you know, as a hand model without having, you know, taking care of your hands, the maintenance on your hands? Just like your car. Exactly. Going back to the pedicures. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Right. <laughs> For how you gonna sell someone feet who may consider selling feet How are you going to sell good feet picks if you got feet that look like Fred Flintstone? You know? Yeah, how's it going to work? Yeah. How's it going to work? All right, Austin. Um, where can everybody find you again? Pimp yourself out. I tell you what, anyone here that, that if you don't think or you don't know, if you need a CPA, call me, email me. You can even text me on my office line. When you go to my website, you can even text me uh, uh, and I'll answer. So just, just you know, let, set up a time. Or let me know you let me know you want to chat uh I'll, I'll help you out as much as i can but at a minimum i can at least tell you like hey a cpa is appropriate for you uh or 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 not i mean but but basically okay. just reach out and then and then let me the professional help steer you the right way um and uh, and help guide you uh with, with some good advice and planning so thank you so much austin for coming on today yeah, yeah. thanks for being the selfie podcast tax daddy no, yeah no problem. we love you no problem all right austin Thank, Thank you, you so much. Of course. All right, guys. I'll see you and take care. All right. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you guys got a lot of takeaways from today. Um, you know, we were really excited to do this one with Jake and Austin and just get all of our financials in order. I have a lot of life fixing oh my God, to do we... after this episode, so, but it was great. So <laughs> hopefully you learned a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, good advice. thank you so much, guys. If you got anything, any good takeaways, if you like this episode, please let us know. Head over to rate and review the show. You guys know if you leave your Insta handle in the review, we will be sending over a swag bag for you. All sorts of goodies in there. So we appreciate you. And also download and subscribe. Download, subscribe, tell a friend, tell them about this episode because you know someone is in financial shambles and they need to hear this episode. You can find all of our episodes on www.selfiepodcast.com and wherever you you find podcasts. You can follow us on our Instas at Nurse Tori. And Hey Samantha with two A's. And thank you so much for listening, you guys. We'll catch you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.